It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And we're all going on a European tour, a European tour, a European tour. What a team, what a win over Crystal Palace. The game has barely finished about 12 minutes ago. The referee blew the final whistle at Selhurst Park. West Ham United 3, Crystal Palace 2, a dominant away performance after an early setback. We're fourth in the Premier League. We've never, ever seen anything like it. What a time to support West Ham. Only earlier, Jonesy, I was thinking back to the amount of endless evenings that we spent in the studio every Tuesday night at Love Sport Radio thinking, oh, here we go again. Another hour and a half of talking about West Ham. It's so grim. Where is the light at the end of the tunnel? But the light at the end of the tunnel has got, used to have ginger hair. He's got a deep Scottish accent and winning is what he does. What a legend David Moyes is. What a legend Thomas Suchek is. Just again, we are massive. What a time to be alive. Absolutely buzzing. Jonesy, Tom. Brilliant to see you again, lads. What a performance. How's it going? Um, I'm still trying to get me a brand it all, really. It's all, it's all just taking me by surprise a little bit. Um, I know we've been good all this season, but that, for me, I know we'll get into it in a little bit more detail. Best performance of the season so far. I've, I've, I don't think I've enjoyed myself so much as I have done tonight watching that. 90 minutes of just superb football from all of them. Um, Craig Dawson living in Zaha's head rent-free for 90 minutes was a particular highlight. Uh, Aaron Cresswell calling the referee a bell end. Um, just <laughs> just outstanding. And, uh, uh, just absolutely class. And uh, we're fourth in the league, chaps. I can't believe it. 
Absolutely stunning stuff. Tom, four wins and a draw, five wins on the bounce, of course, if you take in the FA Cup. But that Premier League table, unbeaten in five, that is league winning form right there. Do we just settle for the Champions League at the moment or are we going all out for the win? Only five points behind Manchester United, who top the table at the moment. Granted, we have played one more game than them. But, it, I mean, it really is quite something, isn't it? It is. It's mental. And like you say, six wins on the bounce. We we don't look like stopping anytime soon. We've put in our best performance of the season now in a cram schedule. And we've rested our big boys against Doncaster in the second team. And a reserve player stood up and they won 4-0 against what shouldn't be an easy tie against a high-flying Doncaster. So we've got the depth. We've got the mentality. David Moyes is, I don't want to sound like David Moyes, but it really is each game at a time now, as much as, yeah, we're fourth. Well, I remember in the 15-16 season getting giddy and doing the screenshots and taking it when we were fourth. But I think this year is a year why can't we actually do it and do it in a year when you've got Klopp, you've got Guardiola, you've got Mourinho, all in the same league. And let West Ham are up there punching and throwing a punch every time and going away and putting in performances like that. So I think each game at a time, still believe that why can't we go and do something a little special this year because we've got the firepower to go and do it like we've proved in the last five six games and continue to have since september tom edwards there dropping in the bait about the forthcoming 15 16 argument and which team is better the last season up to park or this current crop under Moyes. me and tom will go head to head on that later on no doubt of course as the boys mentioned there we beat doncaster to set up a tie and we now know that that's going to be away at manchester united in the fifth round of the fa cup to reach the quarters we were so close and yet so far the last time we went up to Old Trafford in the cup that stunning Dimitri Payet free kick before Bastian Schweinsteiger wiped out our goalkeeper in we should have faced criminal charges for that uh, letting Anthony Martial tap in that agonizing equalizer the last time we went up there but obviously not great playing top of the league but they haven't been wonderful at home this season Manchester United they overcame Liverpool in the fourth round of course so we've got to play we're still in the FA Cup we've Knocked out the League Cup, of course, to Everton, which is no shame in that. We're flying in the league. It is a great time to be alive and to support West Ham United. Just quickly, lads, before we get into that Palace review in a bit more detail, I know you're both chomping at the bit to do that. We'll have a little bit of housekeeping briefly, as we always do. Do follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. The video we posted last week of the interview with Kieran Maguire, the football finance expert, delving into all things West Ham finances as uh, the chat me and Tom had with him done very well on YouTube got seen by a few more eyes than we used to so uh, thanks to any of you who've watched that or passed on the message uh, do go back because James has done some excellent work tarting our YouTube channel up the description to the channel or sorry a link to the channel is in the description to this podcast so scroll down and have a look on Instagram and all that as well. And as always, this week, we're uh, just asking, tell your friends about us if you haven't already. Spread the word, word of mouth. Uh, text someone who might not already know about it. Share it on social media, whatever. We love all that. So uh, keep that coming in. What is coming up on the show tonight, lads? It is extremely busy. Uh, Crystal Palace review. I'll have to stop you both from talking at some stage because we have got some guests and other things to talk about. But we will go into that in more detail. Look back at that comfortable win over Doncaster in the FA Cup. 
up. Uh, we will do a transfer section. I don't know what the point is because we're going to say, yeah, we might sign Jesse Lingard, who we don't need, and then we'll move on. Me and Tom will argue about which team is better, the 2015-16 last season Upton Park side or this current uh, group under David Moores. We put a poll out on Twitter, one of our biggest polls yet. So we'll hear from you, the We Are West Ham listeners, as well. We have the Betway Charity Bet section and... Uh, We've got a very special uh, guest this week. We spoke, I spoke to uh, Nikki Caton, Isla Caton's mum. We are, of course, raising money for Isla's fight, as well as the Bobby Moore Fund and the Dylan Tobedi's 38 Foundation this season. So I had a chat with Isla's mum, Nikki, and even a couple of minutes with Isla, who has uh, started another round of chemotherapy this week. And uh, the family are in even in desperate need for money because they're going to uh, be shelling out on a few bits, um, expensive things, trials and all that sort of thing, uh, new treatments coming up. So we spoke to Nikki about that. We'll have the opposition view, Mark Flanagan, football journalist and uh, Northwest football correspondent to look ahead to that Liverpool game at London Stadium on Sunday. Thomas Edwards is the quiz master for Name That Game as things are hotting up at the top of the table. We'll wrap up with the West Ham women. Great result to get through to the League Cup semi-final and another game abandoned, this time for weather rather than coronavirus. We'll wrap it up with a brief Fantasy Premier League update and then we'll say goodbye. All of that is coming up in the next hour and a half or so. So, Jonesy, I'll throw to you first. You've already said it. The Crystal Palace game, what a time. This is, I totally agree with you, definitely the best performance of the season so far. I think we were emphatic throughout and if Antonio had had his shooting boots on, we could have won five or six, two, rather than just the three. Yeah, I think... um... I think if, if there's a game that you that you would point to uh, as evidence of how far West Ham have come under David Moyes over the last year, year and a bit, it's that one. You know, away from home, uh, one nil down after what two minutes, uh, we would normally crumble. We would normally, in a game like that, under any other previous manager in recent years, with any different or previous mentality, we would have crumbled and we'd have lost that two, three, four nil. Instead, within five minutes, we won all and we go in at the break 2-1 and uh, thoroughly deserved the the victory. A bit frustrating that we conceded that one at the end, but obviously, you know, it didn't matter. We'd done enough. Um, It could have been seven or eight, two, really. And um, just just thoroughly enjoyable at the moment, isn't it? And the fact that we're fourth in the league, just absolutely like almost lost for words, given... And I always say it, like looking back at that that, uh, that first one of the season after Newcastle and going, here we go again, we've got another season and um, here we are. And every single player tonight particularly uh, against against Palace just put in a shift and that's all we ask, isn't it? You know, we, that's all we ask is put a shift in and if it's not enough on the day, it's not enough on the day, but no, more often than not this season, it has been enough and I can't give enough credits to David Moyes and, and the rest of the players at the moment. It's just fantastic. It is absolutely wonderful stuff. Tom, James has mentioned it there. I think we've all, uh, or he's alluded to it, he hasn't mentioned it because I know he, uh, he, he his ego wouldn't be able to take it. But he's basic, what he's basically said, what I've taken from it, is uh, thank you to Manuel Pellegrini for laying the big team mentality foundations as he did. <laughs> and that we're, uh, we're finally seeing those come to fruition. But to, James is right. I was saying, watch a game with my dad. And... Uh, we, it, I, I totally agree. I just said the same thing. As soon as they scored, 
it's so weird where that you don't think, oh, well, that's game over then. It's just mm. really odd. Whereas last season, it was, yeah. well, that's, that's it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that's, that's what I mean. It's just weird. Like, they scored after two minutes or whatever it is. And you're like, oh, that's a bit of a setback, but no problem because we've easily got two or three goals in us. And, uh, Tom, that's, that's exactly what we saw. And I think you'd, you've just got 11 players there. All of them are brimming with confidence, aren't they? That's it. And I think, yeah, it's weird actually having 11 good players and not having a, a critical person who's going to let you down or you've got a midfielder who can't keep up with the pace, i.e. what we saw in Chelsea's game in Noble. I'm not saying he's not a good player. He comes oh, and does his job. Yeah, exactly. Just just a weak link. Somebody sticks out like a sore thumb. Now you go through it. But I was watching a game with my missus and she turns to us, who's been your best player today? I go, oh, well, Bonner, Dawson, Soufal, Ben Rama. You, you can't stop because they've all been brilliant. I think that's that's the beauty of it. it we don't have a superstar. Finally, got Declan Rice, arguably one of the best young talents in, in European football at the minute. But other than, he, he doesn't take the game by the scruff of the neck without the help of his others right now. We've got everyone chipping in, everyone showing how good they are. We've got a centre midfielder who scored 10 in 33 Premier League games since he joined us, which is better than the majority of strikers we've ever had in the Premier League era. And we've just got talent all around the park now in that front three, and it's just gelling. And I think that you can see watching it that there's a genuine belief that nobody is better than us now. And I think we had a little lull, maybe doubting ourselves just before Christmas and how far can this team go? Are we just going to stay mid-table? And I think we've overcome that. And I think Moyes' selection away at Everton and, and that started setting the tone. And I think now that they've a genuine belief in that side that we can go on and this is what we should be achieving this season in the situation we're in. I hope that mentality continues because they showed again tonight that they beat a very good Palace side very convincingly and, and we deserved it, which doesn't happen that often. No, that's it. And for me, you know, James was taking a mickey out of me earlier in the season saying how, you know, oh, you're always angry when we, if, even if we yeah. win. And I think to be quite frank, the difference is, is that I think there was a few that we got away with earlier in the season, Fulham and Aston Villa spring to mind off the top of my head straight away. And, you know, it's, it's not me being facetious or anything saying that we got away with those. But in recent games, that's what I absolutely loved, is that we have been the better team in every single game and we've just taken the game to the opposition and and just gone toe-to-toe with people and been better. It's not like we're relying on a bit of luck or a missed penalty or a, a tight VAR decision or whatever. Today was another example. We put three in away from home, which is a fantastic achievement for any team in the league, whatever position you're in. Uh, mm-hmm. It could have been five or six. They weren't half chances from Antonio. All of them were, they could easily have cannoned in off him from from five or six yards or whatever. And I think that's what that's what I'm enjoying so much more is that we're having more of the ball. We're attacking with intent and the defence looks really solid as well. And more than anything, Tom, what you just said there, every man bar none is just Mark Noble always said it, isn't he? I don't really care at West Ham. As long as if we come off the pitch and we've outrun and outworked the other team, then I'm happy the rest of the stuff comes or it goes. And, and that's what you're seeing tonight. I think, Vladimir Soufal, uh, honestly, mm. he must, he Some must, player. if you took the ball away, he he just did full, I'm talking 100% uh, speed sprints, f- the full length of the pitch for 90 minutes. Didn't stop. There was in, it was like the 87th minute. And I, I again, saying to my dad, he just joined another attack and he's absolutely sprinting back, trying to keep up with Wilfred Zaha, who he had in his pocket, as James mentioned. 
at the meet, like at the same time as as getting involved as well. I, I just think it's so impressive. And again, to not to bang on the same drum that James has said, but you've got to applaud Moyes because he's changed that mentality round from a man who went into that job as a bit of an isolated figure, very little support from the fans and the wider football community. I think hats off and and me as much yeah. as anyone else who doubted him should be more than happy to eat humble pie now which which i am and uh because i think it's it's going absolutely brilliant jonesy what what was your sort of take on the on the game and the goals a bit more the the nitty-gritty of it tonight some uh some good goals antonio unlucky uh and again even palace's goals i didn't mind them going in because i thought we were undone by some good passage of play and nice finishes yeah i think palace's opener was semi-frustrating in that, you know, that they know what Zaha's capable of and just to give him that, that amount of space in and around that sort of... Um, at the end of the year, so early on in the game, it was just a little bit a little bit frustrating. But, well, I mean, I, you notice that for the rest of the game, they were pretty tight to him. They just gave him I, that extra yard. I did um, think he, don't you think he did well? I mean, that's, that's just picking at it, really. Mm. He did well, yeah, of course, but for the rest of the game, he didn't he didn't get sniffed, did he? Because suddenly, Ogbonna, Dawson, Soufal were just like, right, okay, you're not getting that extra half yard that we gave you in the first minute. Um, you're actually good, mate. Then we'll mark our, you. our first goal was, you know, again, it was, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, our first goal was just sums up the mentality that David Moyes has put into to the team. You know, uh, Antonio chasing down that ball and it might be. I would say, um, and don't you know, don't quote me on this in a, in a you know, if he if he loses form, but probably the most lethal central midfielder that's ever lived, um, <laughs> particularly from from set pieces. Um, like he's, he's always there. You put a ball in the box and he's there, isn't he? And then the, the free kick again to go two one up. If it's not Antonio getting into that, then it's Suchek. Uh But I thought just even at, even at one nil, we were just for the first to every second ball. Now, ben Rama, Tom mentioned it earlier, Ben Rama sort of getting in behind their, their midfield and running at the defence and he's always got options right or left. Um and that's the Ben Rama that we've been that we've been sort of craving ever since he joined the club and he's now getting that now getting that confidence to be able to get in behind that midfield and, and start running at defences and it offers something a little bit different to what we haven't done. Like Lanzini used to be good at it, that hasn't done it recently. And um it just I think it was Ben Rama that really gave us that that outlet today, um, because he was just everywhere. Um, and then defensively, we were just just solid, absolutely solid, apart from that first minute hiccup. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all round great performance. Um, I don't I don't think I think Bowen was a little bit quiet, uh, and he has been quiet for the last few games. I think, but you know, we're forgiven Scored. for that, given that he's he's been integral this season anyway. What Bowen? Yeah, he scored the other day, didn't he? The one he chested in from about four yards. Yeah, well, it is four, yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Apart from scoring, he's been quiet. Yeah, but, I mean, he has been... It, it, yeah, he has been quiet. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, he hasn't yeah, done yeah, a great deal other than put the ball in the back of net because he, I don't even really realise he'd scored, did he? <laughs> um, and he was quiet tonight. He was quiet. Uh, and uh, I'm actually surprised that he stayed on the pitch longer than, than he did. To be fair, I thought I thought he'd be he was the first to be hooked, but I thought he'd be hooked a little bit earlier. But yeah, just all around great performance, and um, and yeah, thoroughly deserved. Just a shame Antonio kept kept 
aiming at the post for some bizarre reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, happy. Yeah, the Antonio thing, that was uh, hilarious. And any of you who uh, don't already follow um, West Ham Clips on Twitter, we've bigged it up before, the alternative commentary they do. If you do listen, you'll know that the uh, hilarious post sound effect is going to be um, going to be going crazy on those videos this week. Tom, uh, I know we've got a lot to cover um, on tonight's show, so we'll have, to, we'll have to move on quickly. I did think that was... Hilarious, uh, Antonio. <laughs> He's just absolutely lost the plot when the third one that he missed cannoned off his shin and went wide after he'd already hit the post twice. <laughs> he just lost his head and Cheku Kiati's looking at him like, what are you doing, mate? You're free one up. You're obviously going to win. <laughs> but um, yeah, what did you uh, what did you make sort of the the individual performances? Did Man of the Match was given to Sufal on uh, on BT Sport. Um, did you sort of agree with that? And uh, was there anyone who you thought? Suchek. Yeah, Suchek, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought um, any any central midfielder who scores two, he, he deserves it. And it wasn't just that. I think the thing which is lost in the social media and, and all the sort of memes that are made about him, because, yeah, he is this six-foot-four lanky guy from Czech Republic who loves potato salad. But at the end of the day, he's unbelievable going backwards. He wins tackles. He's brilliant in the air at both ends in both boxes. He's creative. He makes good runs, and he's got the ability to stick chances away when... It's not easy. The second chance from that free kicks come at him so quick just to be able to caress that as he does and then put it in near post and sneak it in. That, that, that takes a top, top footballer to be able to have that ability to do that. So he's got way more to his game. He, he did deserve it for me, but not just because of his goals. He does a lot going backwards. Rice wouldn't be the same player without him next to him. And a whole back four wouldn't look as solid as it did without Suchek's running, his long levers and his ability to win the ball high at the pitch. So he deserved it, but... Like you said, Antonio missed a few chances. He absolutely did. But when have we had a striker who gets as many good chances as him? He's in around a six-yard box. He gets about three or four chances to score a game, which are good chances. He's also got the ability, the Arnautovic house, to make chances on his own, picking it up out wide left, beating him centre-half and making that half-yard to get a shot away. We haven't had a striker like that since Arnie. He's in the right area. Today, it didn't cost us. In the future, maybe I'll be berating him and saying he needs to be more clinical, but he has been clinical up to this point this season. And it was just one of those days. He was in the right place at the right time, three times inside the six-yard box. If your striker does that every week, you're going to get 15, 20 a season. So long may it continue, but Viva Suchek, because he deserves it. Big Tom's numbers are very underrated in this Premier League by other fans. Absolutely, mate. Totally agree with you. There's, um, Yeah, I was, uh, I'm trying to... Trying to sort of put it all into into perspective. Obviously, West Ham played twenty games, and uh, which is the most in the top ten at the moment. So, uh, some more games coming up. I'm sure uh, we may end up dropping out of that top four bracket once all the games are even. But great reading so far. West Ham twenty games played, ten wins, five draws, five defeats, thirty five points, thirty goals scored, twenty four against, and a plus six goal difference. Imagine that. West Ham United just past the halfway point of the season. Wonderful stuff. Well, look, listen, lads, we've got absolutely loads to cover tonight. So that is it for part one. But stick with us because we'll have the Doncaster review from the FA Cup, a little transfer section, and me and Tom are going to have a massive Barney next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. What a start to the show. I tell you what, I don't know if I've enjoyed doing this podcast when West Ham are winning a few games, as I was mentioning 
to Jonesy earlier, the old Love Sport Radio days when it was just grim result after grim performance after grim result was uh, did feel like a slog sometimes. And as James used to say, if it wasn't for the three pints in the pub and then uh, beforehand and then another couple afterwards, those Tuesday nights would have been a lot harder work. Not um, not so lucky at the moment in lockdown to be sharing a pint or five Jonesy on a Tuesday night. But um, if ever there was a time where it was appropriate, it is right now. Uh, we're talking... Obviously, to Mark Flanagan later on in the show uh, for the opposition view ahead of the Liverpool game in the league on Sunday. But we could have been playing them in the FA Cup after we swept Doncaster Rovers aside at the weekend at the London Stadium. Uh, didn't really break a sweat, did we? No, it was, I know it's a cliche, but it was a thoroughly professional performance. And there he is. Um, there he is. It took us. <laughs> I'm right. Like, like, <laughs> cliche. Cliche. I, James I, I, is hadn't, back. I, I, I hadn't. I not slipped one in before, so I thought I'll, I'll give this one a go now. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, to, to go one nil up inside, what the first minute or two, and then and then build on that. Uh, we said last week, didn't we, that it has the potential to be a bit of a banana skin cliche number two. Yeah, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just thought, I just, again, it was, it's almost shocked me, just how well we we navigated that game and game of two halves, wasn't it? If anything, got... James. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you could say that, uh, but um, but the, the better team won in the end, and uh, yeah, it was um, just thoroughly professional. Um, you know, you got to win those games because those 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 little plucky teams from from lower divisions um, try and have a go, don't they? But yeah, I, I thought the, the the squad rotation works nicely, um, and it was it was just brilliant to see some of the youngsters get a go as well. And obviously with a um, with a goal in the second half, and yeah, it was just just a, a nice. A nice, unusual, comfortable West Ham win against lower opposition, which we're not really that used to, are we? Barring that 8 0 win against Macclesfield a couple of years ago. Exactly that, mate. Yeah, exactly that. I'll come back to you in a minute and hopefully we can uh, bait out of you the phrase, you know, this is the year where we should have a cup run. And then I think that will be uh, me and oh, even, me, yeah. <laughs> even me or Tom will have uh, will have won the or got a full house on the James Jones cliche bingo for the evening. Tom, James has mentioned it uh, there in amongst all the cliches, some salient points. It, it really was, I, I ended up watching it on iPlayer. Um, I started it a bit late, so watched it from the start. Watched the whole thing through, and yeah, it was just it was just nothing to be worried about. Were they hit the bar in the second half, didn't they? And like James said, the the most enjoyable part of it for me was seeing Ben Johnson get a run out and look fairly comfortable. The young lads Jamal Baptiste, Afalayan, and even Nathan Trot getting a run out at the end was was nice. Afalayan getting his goal, which I thought was was brilliant, a great moment for him. All in all, it was just it was just another enjoyable Saturday. This must be what it's like supporting a good football team and where you just enjoy your life and you haven't got the ump all the time because your team are rubbish. It's really weird, isn't it? Where you can just watch the football, you win, and you just get on with your day and do something enjoyable on a Saturday night rather than just having the arse ache all the time. I think there's no escaping it, though. The lead-up to the game, when you find out the team sheets are nerve-wracking, that, that's nervy in itself. And then you see the team, and then the 90 minutes, even if you're free one up today, you're still thinking they've got a sniff here, even Batshuayi sticks it in about 98 
But um, yeah, mate, we, we look good. The biggest thing was resting Antonio in rice and not even having to use him for a minute, taking off Suchek, I think it was at half time, getting the job done. Like Joe said, Yarmolenko proving a bit of a point that he, he could be in amongst it and he offers something because we know he's, we all know he's got club once he gets to that final third, but he probably doesn't have the legs to, to make a proper impact in the first team anymore. So it's nice to get him in its noble minutes and, and just keep it ticking over and, and keep the boys fresh for the so to speak, bigger games, no disrespect to Doncaster, but yeah, and here's one for you, Will, which um, you're probably not going to believe, but it was actually a lovely birthday present on Saturday for me, the West Ham win, and where were you? And where were you? After all that carry-on, after all your carry-on, where the hell were you? Jonesy, we've forgotten, to be fair, to be fair, no, go on. Jonesy mentioned... What what I'm going to say, and... Don't tell me you texted uh, Tom... Now, Tom, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely honest here. I saw that it was your birthday. Um, Where? It was all over your social media. Yeah, yeah. I'm that, was day, that was it, that was the day I actually because on your birthday, well, I didn't use social media. I don't know why. I just I was just busy yeah. doing something. No. But on Saturday, I wasn't. You know, I was just I was sitting at home. You know, chilling out, looking forward to watching the game. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it's Tom's birthday. And I was I went onto WhatsApp, uh, WhatsApp, and I was gonna go, oh, happy birthday, Tom. I thought, no, I better not. We was gonna be livid, so I deliberately held off. And the following day, I forgot. So sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's unreal. I thought he might. So Tom, Tom's had a birthday on Saturday. I've given him pelters in November for missing my birthday. Both of you did, to be fair, which was an absolute disgrace. But in my defence, and this sounds like a proper made-up hashtag ever excuse, I was. Oh, no, I was. Yeah, look, I'll even show you. This is my new phone. I was transferring over all my data from my old iPhone to my new one on the weekend, and because uh, the uh, the old dial-up internet out in deepest darkest Essex, where I'm spending lockdown, isn't too clever. It took me most of Saturday and all of Sunday to transfer my phone over. So I didn't go on my phone, WhatsApp. I even text you. You'll know this. And this is why I text the yeah, group chat saying, uh, lads, have I missed any messages? Because I've had a phone blackout. That is why. So my excuse stands up. Jonesy, you were too busy trying to play <laughs> some sort of silly game to wish your friend a happy He's birthday. A You're a disgrace, son. <laughs> Do you know what? No, 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 no. No, I just, the thing is, I just, want a, I just want a quiet life. And I thought, if I wish Tom happy birthday now, Will's going to be in me here going, oh, you did wish him happy birthday, not me. And I thought, I've got enough to worry about than of, <laughs> of, you know, bickering in the WhatsApp group about whose birthday is what. So I thought, I'll leave it. And then I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll message Tom on Sunday. All will be okay. But then I forgot. So, yeah. Um, I, th- I think we're all, all to blame. I'm looking forward to, 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 to you boys forgetting my birthday. Who <laughs> <laughs> messages someone a day after their birthday? Anyway, I'm not having it at all. Well, Tom, look, I'm very, very sorry about that. Many happy returns of the day. How old were you out of interest? Were you 17 this one or 18? Yeah, 17 and a half, mate. It was my half birthday this year. <laughs> yeah. um, 24. 24. 24 years of age. Eh? That, for anyone listening at home, is why... Tom does so awfully on name that game when the game took place <laughs> before the year 2005. Well, lads, uh, very sorry, Tom, that we missed your birthday. It was a wonderful birthday present for you getting through to the next round of the cup. It's Manchester United away in the fifth round. Birthday boy, we'll throw to you first then on this one. What are your thoughts ahead of that game? We'll obviously go into it in detail in the podcast before that game is on the 10th of February at Old Trafford, quarter to eight 
kickoff. We've got history there. I was up at that game. Uh, I think you were as well, if I'm not wrong. The Pyatt free kick game last time when we were robbed by the referee at Old Trafford. What a shock. Uh, that sort of decision wouldn't stand these days with with VAR. But what are your what are your thoughts ahead of that? They're going great guns in the league at the moment, United. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm not confident to be honest. But they they are beatable, aren't they? Yeah, exactly that. And the better they do in the league, probably the better for us because the game falls on a weekday. I think it's between two Premier League games as well, so that might influence the side they play. I know we're doing well as well, so we might rest players. As, but I think. It's very, again, another cliche for the podcast, but you've got to beat the best teams to win it. You, you can't go a whole way beating Doncaster. James, in teams. James, is that you? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's Buffett, has it? <laughs> um, but, but it's a fact. You, you've got to beat the best teams to win it. And I think that it's another opportunity to go away. We're a good side away from home. Me and you spoke about this a few weeks ago. Will, we're, we're probably better. Teams always push her up the pitch and we have more space. And I think it, it suits us more playing them there than them sitting back and using their pace, which will rip us apart. But I think we, we've got it in us to beat. And first half against United when we were there, Will, we, we were unbelievable. And we, we ran toe-to-toe with them. And that's probably one of the points I felt like we left behind this season in that game because could have done them, at least done them, at least got a draw. And I think that there's no reason why we can't go there in and provide another bit of a upset because as, as low they're flying, they're only five points ahead of us. I know they've got a game in hand, but the, the, no team is significantly better than anyone else this year, or at least not proven it yet. Man City might be the, the, the ones who do. But I think we've got a sniff and we can go there and we've absolutely got to go there and play our best side and, and see what we can do because some of the teams left in it are very beatable. Well, yeah, Jonesy, we've got we're away to Fulham the game before the weekend before. We've got four days rest, and then we play United, and then we're at home to Sheffield United, the other side. So two big, big games in the Premier League campaign as well, especially if we're doing well. United, on the other hand, host Everton uh, in the league on the Monday night. They've got Everton. They play them on the eighth. Uh, at Old Trafford in the league and then we come to uh, we visit just two days later in the cup and then they're away to West Brom three days afterwards they got European football uh, which they don't have to worry about anymore of course having gone out of the group stage of the Champions League it's there they're going to be going for it hard I think aren't they with the FA Cup um, you know, given those those games, either side and, and United, that that's sort of one of their uh, few chances of, well, one of their only chance of silverware outside the the league. Their only one. Sorry, I'll get my words out in a minute. Um, you know, it's not like they're going to be they're going to be distracted by other things, is it? They're going to be going for it hard as well. Yeah, they're going to be going for it, but I think them playing what forty eight hours earlier uh, against. Everton is going to work massively in our favour. It's not going to be an easy game for that, for for them. And um, yeah, I think you know I completely agree with Tom. Actually, playing at Old Trafford probably works in our favour a little bit better as well in terms of the the game plan, um, the way they like to play. Obviously, we saw them at London Stadium only what last month, what six weeks ago, where they completely ripped us apart, taking the second half on the break. So it could be our turn to do the same to them. But you know, I think the fi- the fixture list is getting a little bit crazy. And while it might suit us that they're playing 48 hours earlier, um, you know, we're going to be tired as well. I mean, there's, there's games, like two, two or three games a week between now and the rest of the season, isn't it? It's just, uh, if you're in every cup, it's just relentless. So 
Um, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out, but I'm not 100% confident. I think it's probably one of the worst draws we could have got, given the form that they're in at the moment. Mm. But anything can happen between now and then. Cliche number three. <laughs> there you go, there you go. James, please just tell me this is the year that we should be having a cup run and then we'll move on. <laughs> Not yet. In, given that last time we had a decent enough cup run, we were in similar form, weren't we? And, um, you know, you've got to go for cup runs when you're playing, you know, you're playing your best football. So this is definitely the year we should be trying to win the FA, FA Cup. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. And that is bingo for me on the James Jones full house cliche bingo. Right. We've got seven minutes, 55 <laughs> seconds left in this segment, lads. So we put the transfers bit in every week. Everyone knows my stance on transfers. I hate the transfer market. And until the a player for West Ham has got the shirt on and they're doing the pose, I'm not overly uh, interested, but given that we uh, we do a podcast that thousands of people download and listen to every week, <laughs> it's probably a bit. Um, we probably owe them a little bit of uh, of information on it. Tom, Jesse Lingard seems to be the main one, a uh, player, an attacking midfielder, which I don't think we need at all. It just seems another one of those signings, just because he's been good for a big team before. No one else is interested in him, but we seem to be the only ones that are. Uh, looking at him on loan, I believe, and we're going to make room because we've already got Dawson and Ben Rama taking up our loan spots. We're going to make room by making at least one of those deals permanent. Uh, you're, you think it's Ben Rama? Yeah, so apparently, obviously, the Lingard deal is going to happen. Some people reporting it'll be permanent, but it looks more likely. I think Duncan Castles and a lot of journalists have been breaking this evening just prior to the game that Ben Rama deal had effectively already been made permanent before we kicked the ball today. And um, to free up that room to get Jesse Lingard in, I think it's an easy one for the board in this sense. Both Dawson and Ben Rama are both going to happen. They're both going to be permanent signings. It's just a matter of which one you pick. But also the rumours coming out of the club are quite positive in the fact that doing that and paying for Ben Rama isn't good, isn't going to affect the striker search and we should still be hoping to see one come in. Um, so that's that's positive. I believe it's a striker at RB Leipzig who was at Salzburg called Huang He Chan, um, an Asian fellow who played for South Korea and he, he's a very mobile striker, scoring the Champions League away at Liverpool. Whether or not he'll get much game time if he does come in, who knows? But that those two look like the most likely, and I think particularly Lingard's very close. If we've done that with Ben Rama and we've uh, overstepped the gunner and we paid that money up front, I, we wouldn't do that without knowing that Lingard's effectively done. And on that one, I'd, I'd like to say I think he, he does offer something. I think he's a mobile eight. I think he can play anywhere across the front three. I think if you want to play three in the middle, he can do that. It's a loan deal. He won't start for us. I think he knows that. We know that. And he's got a lot to prove. I know it's the typical thing with him is he is still young enough. He's 28, can come in here and he wants to move down south. I think something's gone wrong with his family. Wife left him, his missus is ill. He's looking after his brothers and sisters and his kids. I think a lot's gone on. So that might have affected his form and hopefully he can come down here and show his best football because he's got he's got it in him. We saw at the World Cup that he was one of England's best players and if we can get that out of him and Moyes then we've got a good player on our hands. Oh, it's just not one that I'm able to get excited by at the moment. Matthew Bonswell, RB Leipzig left back as well, youngster. Um, also being linked with him. But yeah, nothing 
I don't know. If we take Lingard, we take him, but we we sold Grady Dean Garner because we were told that there was too many um attacking midfielders that we had. So it seems a strange one to me. He's gonna be on, you know, fair old whack as well. I know we won't be paying all of his wages, but that is what it is. Right, Tom, we've got four minutes and forty-two seconds in this section left. The 2015-16 argument. Me and you have been going at it for a couple of weeks about which team is better that season or this. We put it out on Twitter last week we put it the poll as we always do it's our biggest poll yet and I went down I just said right Hammers fans settle podcast argument which West Ham team is better last Upton Park or this season side and uh, we gave fans the opportunity to vote for each uh, for their best player in each <laughs> position so as we're a bit pressed for time Tom I'm going to run through the results um, and then you give me your thoughts after that so Adrian or Fabianski Fabianski landslide 93.7% Right back, James Tompkins or Kufau? Uh, unsurprisingly, Kufau with 98.4% won that one. Centre-back one, Ogbonna 15-16 uh, or Ogbonna modern day, 95.2% went modern day. That is absolutely crazy. Definitely uh, selective memories there. Centre-back two, Winston Reid from 2015-16 or Fabian Balbuena. Appreciate sure others have played a bit more this season, but... Uh, he played the most Cresswell 1516 or uh, Cresswell modern day 6040 to Cresswell 1516. By the way, sorry, Winston Reed won with 90.4%. Uh, Noble or Suchek in defensive midfield, Mark Noble from the 1516 season, of course, 17.1%. Suchek 829 <laughs> defensive midfield, Kuyate or Declan Rice. Um, Declan Rice with 99.2% of the vote. <laughs> Poor old Cheku. <laughs> Kiate getting 0.8. Uh, right midfield, Antonio 15, 16, or Jared Bowen. Jared Bowen won that up again. People, selective memories, either that or they're all in your year at school, Tom, and they all <laughs> turned 16 at the weekend as well. Bowen getting 65% of that boat. Lanzini 15 16 beating Saeed Ben Rama in the attacking midfield position. 88.2 beats 11.8. Payet, of course, beat Fornells. Um, ninety-eight percent to two, and then Mikel Antonio, modern day, with seventy-eight point nine, beats Diafrasacco up front. I, I don't think, to be honest, and I'm not saying it because that plays into what you were saying more, Tom. Some of those, I mean, some of those are a flip of the coin. I think uh, the Bowen one, Jared Bowen, is not better than Mikel Antonio was in fifteen sixteen. But either way, Tom, it appears that you're you were right. Um, obviously a tough one to say but what are your thoughts on that hearing those results I just think overall looking at I think the team like you say some of it's a bit wishy what Antonio is better than Sacco though so Bowen and both of them will probably play one way or another um, so I think that's why maybe people voted but on that I think that this league is infinitely more competitive than 15-16 Leicester won that league and quite a runaway in the end Chelsea came 10th Liverpool came below us we were in the hunt of the Champions League Southampton were up there it was a very poor league. That was one of the worst leagues we've ever seen in England. This year, you've got Klopp, Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, three of the greatest managers, actually the three greatest managers of the last decade, two decades in the league with two with three top teams going right at it. Champions League winners two years ago, Champions League finalists the year before that, two Champions League finalists the year before that. Very competitive in Europe. You've got a much better overall quality within this league and we've got more weapons and we're right up there. It's not like you have a runaway team this year or you have a Leicester or it's a wish we are that team in there with Leicester 
in amongst the, some of the best teams in Europe in the world at this minute. We're not against teams who are coming out in the group stage last 16 and failing in Europe. These are the crop of the crop in Europe and we're right amongst it. In that year, it wasn't quite the same and Claudio Ranieri who'd never won a major title, won it with Leicester. So I think this year is, is hardest to be amongst it like we are. Well, fair play, mate. Look, we've, we've run out of time for this section. A few people um, getting involved and stuff in the comments. Chris Burrell, Adam the Architect and Reese, um, just coming up with some good points, basically just saying that, you know, Payet was better than any of those players in either of those teams. So, you know, perhaps uh, perhaps that sways it in uh, in line with that a bit, but I think some, some selective memories there. But anyway, run out of time for part two. Stay with us, it's Betway Charity Bets coming up next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. What a positive show it's been so far. West Ham absolutely flying. Massive respect to David Moyes. I think it's important, lads, to keep saying that because, uh, you know, West Ham fans and, and we always try to stay balanced on the podcast. Um, I think we always have done, even when it was the radio show, we say things that need saying when they're bad, uh, but it's important as well to to give credit where it's due to all the players, excellent attitude, but particularly David Moyes, uh, who has turned turned it around. And, uh, you know, whether there will be people who, who've got no, no time for the board whatsoever and totally understand lots of those sentiments. Um, and, you know, it's, it's on them really now to, to back him, this month, uh, hopefully, we've still got a few days left. It doesn't look like much more is going to happen at this stage, but you never know. Um, that will be a real shame if it gets to the end of this month. And and after an excellent first half to the season by Moyes, he's not back to to build on it and push on. Because imagine, just imagine West Ham qualifying for the Champions League or even the Europa League. You know, something that, that we were promised when we moved to the league. But massive credit to David Moyes and all the players at the moment, who uh, especially, you know, everyone to a man tonight put in, putting the effort in. So, uh, yeah, well played, West Ham. Well played, David Moyes. Well played, Thomas Suchek, who's just dedicated uh, his performance tonight to his wife on Twitter, as if you didn't love that bloke enough. Lads, a little bit of uh, bad news on the, the podcast. Uh, no Betway charity bet wins for us against Crystal Palace. Uh, we both went a little, well, we all went a little bit bolder. Tonight, Jonesy, you went West Ham to win 3-0, Bowen anytime and Antonio anytime. Uh, so you got that West Ham scored three goals and that was... No. What do you mean, no? No. Well, that's not what you went for? No. Oh, That, that what, was so, the West Brom game. Ah, oh, you I, I do apologize mate. I've uh, I've obviously mixed up mixed up my my notes there. What did you go for tonight then if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, so I had I had Bowen to score, uh, West Ham to win and both teams to score. So Bowen let me down and the end he was obviously he was a little bit quiet, wasn't he? But he did have a couple of chances but um but yeah, I got two out of three. Uh Tom, what did you what did you have for for tonight? Um I had West Ham to win Antonio to score any time. Uh, so, correct score, West Ham to win 2-1. Antonio any time and over 7.5 or 8.5 corners, sorry. And um, I was shy in that. I think Antonio had enough chances for a month. Um, I didn't quite go in, but I'd love to make that money. And it was very close again. I've been I've been one or two away in the last few weeks, and I'm certain one will drop soon because uh, Isla, like you said, desperately needs it. And um, fingers crossed we get that over to her. 
Yeah, we're edging closer at the moment. Well, just to let everyone know, uh, Isla has, uh, she's found a couple of, um, she obviously got neuroblastoma. She's found a couple of new spots, a couple behind her knee and one in her groin, soft tissue uh, cancerous spots that they've found. And she started chemotherapy this week on Monday. I spoke to her mum, Nikki, which uh, the interview you'll be able to hear at the end of this show. Just a, a real plea from Nikki for for all of us to dig into our pockets if we can and put money towards what is obviously a really good cause. Isla only six years of age. I managed to get a couple of words out of her from the hospital bed just as she was ready to go through chemotherapy. I'm sure lots of you listening have seen it. Uh, close hand what that does to people i've seen it and what it does to to full-grown adults let alone what that stuff is like going through a little girl they're looking for at treatment options everything's being made a bit more difficult at the moment because of coronavirus but it looks like they could need to go to either new york or spain for treatment again and the numbers that nikki uh, let me know about that you'll be able to hear about at the end of the show really make your mind boggle you're talking into the hundreds of thousands of pounds uh, they need to give isla a fighting chance so if you are able to listen to that interview with nikki at the end it all becomes a little bit clearer i'm delighted to say that chad from betway has uh, forwarded over just over 1200 pounds that uh tom has obviously been playing for Isla's fight this season so that is the money that tom has one and the rib man obviously he, he chipped in to that f uh, fund as well betway have matched uh, our contribution so 1200 quid has gone from the we are west Ham podcast to isla's fight but as nikki explains to me that is just a drop in the ocean that money will get eaten up voraciously so if you can do head over to our isla's fight on twitter to see all the different fundraising things they're doing there's raffles over there there's competitions, there's loads of stuff uh, and you can find all the details for her just giving page there. Isla's she's down to, or her family are down to 160,000 pounds, which sounds like a lot of money, but the, uh, the, the cost of these treatments and getting private healthcare for the little girl is, is through the roof. So uh, Nikki's sort of aiming for another four times that just to give Isla a shot over the next six months or so. So if you can uh, do anything at all, then uh, would me or us here at the podcast and and the family would really appreciate it so lads um another chance for us so to win money for not just isla's fight but the bobby moore fund and dt38 foundation as well who we're playing for uh the liverpool bets i've gone for both teams to score more than 5.5 corners and a goal in each half i just feel a bit nervous about the game boys i, I don't think West Ham are going to win. I can't call the score at all. Um, and I do want to want to win some money. I do think both teams will score. I know Liverpool have been a bit dry recently, but uh, I do fancy us to concede one. And we look like scoring as well. So I've hedged my bets uh, a little bit. But Josie, what have you gone for? I've gone for a draw. Um, as much as I'm, I'm relatively confident, given the form that we're in and, and the form that Liverpool are in, uh, I think a draw... It's probably a little bit more realistic in, in my eyes. Uh, both teams to score. And I've gone Pablo Fornaus to, to get on the score sheet because he loves to go against Liverpool, doesn't he? I know we're not playing at Anfield. I think he's scored twice at Anfield now, but he loves to go. I think he's due a goal as well, isn't he? So, um, yeah, Fornaus to score any time. Fair enough. Tom, what are you having? I've gone, um, I've gone Antonio first goal scorer, West Ham to win and both teams to score. I think Antonio's due one, I think. 
like we said, he's he missed a few this week, and I've gone for West Ham wins all season, and and we've done pretty well, and and fingers crossed, it's just a luck thing to be honest with you going for West Ham to win at the minute, so so keep it rolling. Fair play, Matt. I think the odds on that one will be pretty good. Just a reminder, you can back our selections yourself if you like the sound of them on the Betway official website or app. Just go to the West Ham gaming question this week. It is, of course, Liverpool. Go to the pre-built bets section, scroll down, and under there you'll see the We Are West Ham podcast bets, and it'll have mine james and tom's name against them so uh, scroll down there they will be available for this weekend's game around friday so if you uh, if you like the sound of it uh, going back those and again kudos thanks very much to betway in particular chad who's uh, sorted out getting uh, our contribution over to isla's fight midway through the season because he knows uh, as we all do they need the money more than ever so stay with us because we'll have Mark Flanagan, football journalist, joining us for the opposition view to look ahead to that Liverpool game and see if our bets have got any chance of coming in. All of that is next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones running through the charity bets there. Fingers crossed me and the lads can start the money rolling in again to add to the thousands of pounds we have already raised for charity this season. But look, after the euphoria of West Ham's unbeaten run in the Premier League, it's wins, wins, wins in all competitions. I'm delighted to say that joining us to look ahead to the Champions League place decider on Sunday at the London Stadium against Liverpool. 4.30 kickoff is Mark Flanagan, host of the Stick It Up Your Balax podcast and Love Sport Radio's Northwest correspondent. Mark, it's wonderful uh, to have you joining us. And uh, you said before we came on air that it's nice to chat to fans of a fellow top four club, which automatically makes you our favourite opposition view guest that we've ever had on. How's things and uh, how intimidated are you by the prospect of coming to face West Ham on Sunday? We're intimidated by facing anyone at the moment. Um, it, it just feels, um, I saw a tweet the other day, watching Liverpool, it's like we've been watching the same game for a month. Um, we've, we've become very predictable and I think we've become a bit stale. Um, I don't know if it's teams have found us out or there's just too many players who aren't in form. But um, yeah, I think the, the thing that I'm clinging to is we seem to do it, we're better against better teams who will maybe have a bit more of a go against us. Um, so I'm hoping that West Ham go all guns blazing on uh, is it Sunday or Monday? I can't, I can't yeah, sun, sun, Sunday four thirty kickoff. Because we've still got Spurs to come yet. I know you're you're still you can look sit back and uh, uh, think about that Palace victory, but we've got Spurs before we've got you as well. So it's a critical few days. Yeah, yeah, two difficult fixtures on the bounce for Liverpool. Spurs away on Thursday, which will put you uh, level on games with us and uh, you're one point behind at the moment on 34 to our 35. That is yeah. a is a difficult difficult pair of, of games for you away and I'd like to un unfortunately for, based on what you just said there, I don't think David Moyes will be going all guns blazing at all. <laughs> what, what we have shown this season is... Uh, That's not like him. <laughs> well, to be honest, like he's, I think he's finally got the balance right against the smaller teams or smaller teams, the ones you should beat on paper. Like tonight, 
he's uh, you know he's willing to go at teams and and really open up and unleash our attacking talents. But by we've we've definitely shown as well that we are um, we have got it in us to to hunker down, keep things organised and tight, and try and hit on the break with Antonio. So there is every chance that that we'll have half a chance of uh, of winning. What's the what's the biggest concern for you then, Mark, going into the game? Is it your own form or just the the impressive um the impressive run that West Ham are on at the moment? I think I think you've mentioned him. I think the fact Antonio's fit. I, I love Antonio. I think he's I mean, if he wasn't 30, I think he's 30 years old now, isn't he? And he didn't have his injury problems. He's he's just what Liverpool are missing. He's he's a guy who can make things happen by himself. Um, you know, West Ham don't need to pass teams to death to score. I've, I've always liked him. He's just got something about him. Um, um, I, don't, I'm, I don't know what it is, and he just seems to be getting better and better. And I think um, West Ham are a sort of a team now that they're, they're, they're settled. You know the, the best, you know the team they're going to play. Um, and they've also got a bit of strength in depth as well. And um, it's bloody annoying because um, I, I can't stand your owners. So I was just loving the fact yeah. The, fact that, the, fans are, the fans are great, but it's like it's happened by accident. You know, they, they appointed Moyes by accident almost, and it's fallen into the lap a little bit. Um, I suspect, you know, the Haller signing, that was probably someone in the boardroom saying we need to go that that Haller. Uh, and he's, you know, so, um, yeah, the, the stars are slightly aligning for West Ham with, with City and Liverpool coming back to the pack a little bit and, Everybody, and you're not in Europe as well, are you? So you don't have to worry about. Not yet, Mark. Not yet. Well, you're going to go straight straight to the top one. Um, going straight for the top one. So yeah, but things it could get really interesting for West Ham as well, particularly if you know Leicester. I think Leicester are still in the Europa League, aren't they? And um, I know Southampton aren't. Um, so yeah, you've got you've got a chance. You've got a chance. But yeah, he's key. Antonio keeping him fit. He's key. Well, given the, the the form at the moment between the, the two clubs, West Ham and Liverpool, obviously we'd be we're going into this game pretty confident. Mm. Um, but you mentioned earlier about Liverpool getting a little bit a little bit stale, and I was I was just looking at the 2018 Champions League final. And there's only two players in your starting eleven that day that are no longer at the club. The rest are still at the club playing week in week out. Do you think that that's been a bit of an oversight from Klopp that he hasn't? He hasn't probably changed it up or refreshed the squad as much as he has done. I know he's brought in a, a few players since then. But do you think that that's probably now coming back to bite him a little bit and his inability to, to really refresh the squad more yeah. regularly? Well, I think the thing that's overlooked slightly is the fact that they've never... Liverpool, apart from when they went big with Van Dijk and Alisson, have, have done everything pretty well and smartly in the transfer market. So they've never spent big money and done it gradually. And I, I, when I was on Love Sport Radio, saying I kept saying Liverpool have been really lucky in a number of games. And I just think what it is, and it's quite a boring answer, but it's just true. It's a lot of little factors all coming together. So Van Dijk out, um, mm. you know, he, he he settles everything down, and they can play a lot higher because they know we've got Van Dijk to get him out of trouble. They haven't been able to play a settled back four. The, the, the fullbacks have played too much football. Uh, Robertson's probably been Liverpool's most consistent player. Trent, I don't know what's happening with Alexander Arnold. It's like he's, you know, he's, he's he's like he's dropped down a couple of levels in the last six weeks. I mean, it's the weird thing. The irony is, we go and stuff Palace seven nil, and then it then we mm. just it just falls apart really quickly. It's odd. Um, 
I do think that the Liverpool, the key thing for Liverpool is that Henderson is missing. I think he's he's so um, underrated as a player. He's he's up there with Fernandinho in terms of that ability just to be in the right place at the right time to stop to snuff out danger. And he can do it for ninety minutes, and he doesn't stop. And I think he Henderson almost makes everything click into place a little bit for Liverpool. Um, and I think he helps with he'll often overlap on the outside of. Alejandro Arnold, he just gets all over the pitch. Um, and as good as Thiago is technically, and he's a great on the ball and he'll find a pass, we just don't have the, the legs in the midfield at the moment. And all these little things are just building up and building up. And Salah is, mm. has always been a bit of a weird player in that he gives the ball away a lot. He does a lot of things wrong, but then he'll pop up with two goals. You know what I mean? So when things are going wrong, Salah can look awful. Um, if I was West Ham, I'd get into Salah. Uh, and because the body language can go quite quickly. Um, the, the good thing for Liverpool, at least Firmino looked like his old self against United in the FA Cup. He just came alive. So that's slightly clutching at straws. Um, but like I say, I, I, I think West Ham will, it, it will be really fancying it. Moyes will be really fancying it. Liverpool only play one way. You know, they, they, don't, they never, ever sit back. And West Ham are perfectly set up. I really like Bowen. I think he's great. Um, I've got strong connections in Hull and, and they loved him down there. Great, you know, inspired signing. Um, and with, with, you know, with your, with your front three and the fact that I don't know who he'll play alongside Fabinho. You might play Henderson because um, the lad who, obviously the young lad who came in against United, I was shocker. So we've got real problems there as well, um, which is obviously only going to add fuel to West Ham's ambition, I think. Mark, uh, what you just mentioned on it there, you mentioned two of them in Salah and Firmino, but the front three have been really off the pace. I, I'd argue all season. I know it's it's come to light in the last few weeks when, when you've had a few shutouts in the Premier League. I know obviously Salah nicked a few at the weekend at Old Trafford, but how much of a worry is that? And particularly for Firmino, because I think it's it's pretty set that uh, Mane and Salah will probably keep their places forever and, and they deservedly have that. But Firmino looks like the one who might drop out when Yotta comes back. How much of a worry is finding that balance again and, and how reasonable is it to suggest that, that that might be gone and that might be in their era that's already been gone? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really difficult one because unless you're on the inside, I mean, my understanding with, with the Liverpool front three, particularly with Mane and Salah, it's always been a slightly uneasy alliance. There, there is there is a there is a bit of something going on between them, um, and I, I just I just think that when, obviously when Jota came in uh, and did so well and and basically almost showed up for Mino a little bit, it kind of it did like you say highlighted the fact that just gradually bit by bit they haven't been at it. I I, I, I would argue that they were at their best in the year that we came second mm -hmm. to City. When they were, you know, they were absolutely fantastic. Um, the Van Dyke factor made the difference last season with and, and the goalkeeper as well. But yeah, um, found out. I mean, what, I watch Liverpool now, it just feels very predictable. You almost know exactly what the pass they're going to play when each player gets the ball. Um, and that and that's what we're really missing is that somebody who can just um Firmino is the best we've got in terms of dropping into midfield and, and picking a bat or making something happen or like going past a couple of players. Even Mane, when he gets the ball out wide, I'm thinking he's going to get dispossessed here. And sort of seven times out of ten, he does. And there, there is a frustration that um, we, we just don't seem to have much of a plan B as well when we need to um, kind of 
rethink. And obviously over time, teams get found out. And the genius of Ferguson and Bob Paisley from the 80s was we always changed the winning side from strength. You know, they were brutal. They got rid of players who you think, why is he getting rid of, you know, why are they getting rid of him? Why are they getting rid of that? He was brilliant last season, but just knowing when to change it when you're on top is, is, is so important. And we haven't done that really too much. So, Mark, basically, you're sort of saying that, that Liverpool. Uh, Sorry, that's, uh, <laughs> that's all right. Saying Liverpool look uh, quite predictable at the moment. I think it's still a, an extremely daunting prospect, as far as I'm concerned, to to have Liverpool come into the London Stadium on Sunday. And it, yeah. as much as we are playing well at the moment, we're sort of beating teams that you know we we would expect to beat really you know all football fans have got that list of teams that on paper you should beat but uh, Liverpool certainly aren't one of those for us at the moment and I've done about these two but I'd snap your arm off uh, for a point at the moment but how do you see how do you see the game going style wise you mentioned Liverpool style there just before we uh, get a score prediction and let you go how do you see the game sort of playing out from from a, a, a gameplay style point of view well, I think I think West Ham will almost drop too deep because because they will struggle to even. I mean, as daft as it sounds, and as well as West Ham are doing, even with Moyes, that is very pragmatic. So he will be thinking that as well. He'll be thinking a point's good for us. Um, don't give them space. Don't let them, you know, fill those pockets. You know, there'll be there'll be two banks of four. It'll be really tight, and then you've got obviously you've got the you've got Antonio and Bowen and who'll play on the other side Fornell's played tonight you'll have Saeed Benrahma yeah yeah yeah. depends on the formation yeah I like him he's he's clever Um, so um, it it is almost like you say you do worry sometimes the West Ham factor that they get to this elevated position and then they kind of shoot themselves in the foot and um, Tompkins will you know elbow somebody in the face after five minutes and get sent off um, and, and something like you know there'll be a throw a spanner in their own works, but I, I do I do feel the season is different. Um, clubs like West Ham and Southampton and Leicester have just got to kind of think this is our opportunity. It, it is a great opportunity. I know City have built up a head of steam. Um, I'm not convinced about Spurs at all. Um, I do think the Mourinho mindset he goes on the defensive too easily as well. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not certain. So if, if United and City are going to be definite for the top four uh, and Liverpool can get their act together, there's definitely a, a, an opportunity in West Ham. I've got as good a chance as any, really. It's just keeping the key players fit and um, that'll make a big difference, I think. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Well, look, Mark, we really appreciate you joining us, as we always do. What's your score prediction for Sunday? West Ham v Liverpool in the Premier League, Champions League place, uh, head-to-head clash, uh, 4.30 kickoff. 2-0 to Liverpool. 2-0 to Liverpool. After all of that. <laughs> no, West, Ham will blow. West Ham will do something. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Mark uh, Mark Flanagan there, football journalist, host of the Stick It Up Your Ballocks podcast. Thanks very much for joining yeah, us. Bro. And stay with us because we've got Name That Game next. So Mark Flanagan there, football journalist, going for a 2-0 win to Liverpool. Sounded pretty uh, timid during, you know, not very confident about his his team's chances. And then he comes out with a 2-0 win to Liverpool. Lads, before we uh, go on to name that game, Tom is Quizmaster this week. What are your selections for, or your, sorry, your match predictions for Liverpool? I'll start with you, Tom. 
Um, I'm going to go 2 1 to keep in line with my bet to us. That is, I think, um, it's a pretty hard game, Liverpool at home. If we win it, it'll, it'll be the the icing on the cake for this year so far. So, fingers crossed, we get it done. If we play like we have been recently and they play like they have been, there's no reason we can't go and do it. So, fingers crossed, but yeah, it's more out of hope. 2 1, mate, Jonesy. Uh, also going to keep in line with my bet, um, but also because I haven't predicted this this scoreline for a while. But I'm going to go for it, Desmond. Yeah, I, mm, I like that. I, I I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised on that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna err towards that as well. I don't like to copy you, Jonesy. So I'm going to go for a one all. I think I do think it will be two all, but just in the interest of not copying. But look, lads, enough about that. Enough about real football, and enough about West Ham's push for the Champions League uh, what really matters to everyone listening at home is of course the name that game league table I'm delighted to say that I am in third place I am in the top four but given that there's only three of us playing it's not that impressive Thomas Edwards has had a storming couple of weeks and he's eaten into James Jones's lead and overtaken him at the top of the leaderboard Tom on 25.5 points after some recent controversy was sorted out with a head-to-head on the West Ham Palermo squad but Tom came out of that victorious after James went for Rob Green in goal when it was in fact Roy Carroll so it's Tom uh, 25.5 points at the top of the leaderboard Jonesy in second with 23 and me just one point behind on 22 so this is very much a relegation head-to-head this week lads me versus you Jonesy Tom are you ready and have you got a good game for us I'm ready. Yeah, it's a game I wasn't too aware of before, but but I am now. That's for sure. And that means it happened still... before 2010. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll be the reason. I've already given it away, and I. Um, but the obscure fact is, it's West Ham's biggest win in Premier League history. And he takes. Oh, got his... it. Got it. I'm, I'm going to go for it. Oh, hang on. Go on. Well, are you just ignoring me, putting my hand up. Yeah, saying, go on, Will. Yeah, you're first. You said <laughs> you did say you're up first. <laughs> I think Jonesy's a victim of his slow internet connection there, but I'm going to go 6 0. That is correct. That is Boom. correct. Um, Opposition goal scorer, Jonesy. <laughs> there can't be one. Yeah, so it goes, it goes captain, surely. Opposition captain. Yeah, so, oh, opposition captain. Unless you've got an alternate fact ready, Tom. I don't have an alternate fact already. It's got to be got to be opposition captain, then, isn't it? I, I, I don't know who who. That's been the. I, swear, that's I can't. Been the, like, I can't tell you who the opposition captain was that day. Oh, you're joking. Okay. Oh, you I got mean, an I, alter- wouldn't, I wouldn't even be able to guess. I know. I know the game. I know the game. You got an alternate fact that Jonesy can give you, Tom. I don't have an alternate. We might have to come back to this one after. Is that right? All right. We'll, we'll come back to you later. But Jonesy, you get first dibs on that alternate fact. Is that right with you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, that's right. So, yeah. so one West Ham goal scorer. Uh, I'm going to say... Oh, blimey. I'm going to be annoyed if I get this wrong. But I think... Samasi Abu? Samasi Abu is correct. Ooh, <laughs> Samasi Abu is correct. Um, opponent, Jonesy? No, stadium next, isn't it? Sorry, stadium, stadium, yeah. Barnsley. Stadium. 
<laughs> Jones, you got to invest in some new Wi-Fi. <laughs> no, well, hang yeah. on. I guess oh. I get to guess one of them, don't I? <laughs> no, no, he gets it because of the lag. He gets because of the lag. <sighs> Blimey. Right. Um, well, I'm having Barnsley then. <laughs> yeah, you can have Barnsley. Shambles. Uh, Jonesy, this season, please. I'm going to say, oh, it's, it's between the two. I'm going to say 95, 96. 95, 96 is incorrect. Oh, I think it was 97, 98. Oh, later, isn't it? Yeah, 97, 98 sadly is correct. <laughs> oh, what a dominant victory. I mean, okay, here, I've got a new one. Whoever can guess the attendance to the closest thousand win, uh, well, wins the extra point. Uh, James, do you want to go second? Because that's advantageous. And then you can just go higher or lower. Or do you want to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Yeah? Oh, all right. Go on then. It was January 1998. 28,000. Oh, that is um, a good guess. Uh, what did he say? 28,000 from Jones. Yeah. I'm going to... Oh, that's a very good guess, actually. All right, I'm going to go 27,999. You have annoyingly done it. It was 23,000. That's why I asked, because it seems suspiciously low. So that's why I thought I might... Uh, I think... <laughs> what a, a dominant performance. I think that might have been, Tom, uh, that game where the one of the stands was being built. I don't know if it was the, was might it. Been the centenary. So um, there was no that's fans about Yeah, exactly that. So that that's why I um, asked that. But for the rest of the game, the, the goal scorers were Frank Lampard Jr. kicked us off. A double from Samassi Abu, John Monker, <laughs> friend of the show, John Hartson, and Stan Lazaridis rounded off in the in the 90th minute. When we when we were romping Palace 3-1, I thought, I've got to get another big win here. We might make it seven, so let's see what I can do. <laughs> Tom, just uh, let me get this correct. Were you born uh, when this game took place in January 1998? I was about... It was about just a few days, 13 days away from my first birthday. So I was alive and kicking. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I was there. I, was there. I remember <laughs> it. I remember it really well. I was actually there. Oh, you I went? Uh, How old were yeah, you, I James? There. I mean, I was what? I would have been probably about nine. Yeah. Mental. I just turned seven, I think. Yeah, no, maybe, you can't. Yeah, eight, eight or nine, maybe. Um, well, there you go. Top, just to just to clarify there, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that a 5-1 victory for me over James Jones there? I'm afraid, Jonesy, it was a 5-1 victory for Mr. Oh. Will Pugh. So that actually sends him top. Absolutely storming. Uh, yeah, so 27 points for me on top of the leaderboard. I was down and out a long yeah. time ago. James Jones, what has happened to you? There was Your lead was insurmountable at one stage and it's now you're now bottom of the league by a point and a half me on 27 tom edwards on 25 and a half james jones on 24 and luckily for you jonesy i am the quiz master next week so you've got another chance to redeem yourself what has gone on mate oh, it's just just a really poor poor 
period of my of our history at the moment. You know, we've gone through several managers over the last few weeks. Uh, can't can't buy anyone in the transfer window. Yeah. Confidence is shot. We're, um, <laughs> just feeling trouble at the moment. We're just like it's just terrible, terrible. <laughs> Not good stuff. Not good stuff. Tom, absolutely brilliant game there, though. 6 0 at Barnsley. I still do remember it. I was a bit of an iron on Samasia Boo. Did you say Hartson got one or not? Because that's the other one I was going to go for. Yeah, so Hartson did get one. Oh, I'll read them out again. Um, it was Hartson, Frank Lampard Jr., a double from Abu, John Monker, John Hartson, and Stan Lazaridi. Absolutely wonderful stuff. A brilliant uh, name that game for you this week, Tom. That is nearly it for the show. But as always, we'll be wrapping up with the West Ham women's section next up. A good result over Durham in the League Cup. Uh, Another game abandoned and a look ahead to Man City away on Sunday. Stay with us for all of that next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. That is nearly it for this week's show. What a show it's been. How enjoyable these podcasts are to do when West Ham are winning football games and sitting in the Champions League spots. One, the the women's team not doing quite as well in their league, but they did have a game for the first time in a very long time. So many COVID postponements for the girls recently. They still sit 10th in the WSL, five points above Bristol City with a game in hand after their game away at Arsenal on Sunday was abandoned, this time due to bad weather rather than coronavirus. But they did finally get a game against Durham and they won 3-0 at home in the League Cup or the Conti Cup, as it's also known, quarterfinal on Thursday night to set up a semi against Chelsea on Wednesday, the 3rd of February. Goals from Soko, Emily Van Egmond and Katerina Svitkova saw the girls uh, get a comfortable 3-0 win which is uh, brilliant. As Catherine Batt from the Daily Mail explained last week, bit of a shame the way the draw's fallen. Uh, obviously facing Chelsea, lost to them a few weeks ago. Um, will be a difficult one to get through to the final. But Jonesy, nonetheless, uh, you've got to beat what's in front of you. And it's uh, good for the girls to have, have managed to squeeze through to the semi-final of a cup in a season where the league form is, is somewhat disappointing. Yeah, it's good. Um it's good fairly harder to get off the on the mark of it, you know, get his first win under under his belt and having gone so long without a game, you know, the best thing they, they could have done is go out there and, and put in a good performance, get a convincing win. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh the the level of competition in front of you, as, as you said, you still gotta beat them and the cup semi finals not to be sniffed at. I know it's it's Chelsea in the in the semi final, but you know, the fact they've got they've got as far as they have gives them an opportunity and, you know. Uh, Chelsea are going to be a very, very tough game, but it, they'll have some confidence going into that game and the rest of the season. Now they've got their first win under under Oli Harder. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's that's important, isn't it, for Oli to get his first win, albeit against lower league opposition. But Tom, that Arsenal game <laughs> abandoned again. You are left wondering: Will they ever play a WSL game again? in their lives bad weather i think sort of hailstones and and uh, whatever the la- i don't know what the latest storms called do either of you know what it's called there seems to be names to these things all storm. the time 
No, Storm Thumper or whatever it's called. I know it's definitely not called that, but that's a, yeah, that's a name that's sticking in my head for some reason. But yeah, that that game was called off. And again, we seem like, you know, the amount of games we've previewed this season only for them to be pulled after we've done the podcast. Man City away is next in the league now. Uh, Sunday, the 31st of Jan, that's this Sunday, 2.30. That is a game that a um, bit of a daunting prospect going up to Man City uh, that got pulled a couple of weeks ago because of coronavirus again. Finally got it rearranged. What uh, what are your thoughts on on the WSL situation at the moment, Tom? Because Villa got a point against Reading, a two-all draw at the weekend, which puts them level on points with the girls. Like I say, they're, they're, they're still five points ahead of, of Matt Beard's Bristol City and the girls have got a game in hand over them. And there's only one relegation spot, of course, in WSL. So, you know, you don't want to get complacent, but you'd hope there's enough of a of a cushion there, but Man City on Sunday, bit of a daunting prospect. Yeah, absolutely. City have obviously come on in the last few years massively and they are one of the premier teams in the WSL. So going there under any manager at any, at any time in the season is always going to be a tough, tough ask. But girls are going in there with a bit of form. Well, in the last game, exactly that. Emily Van Eggman getting a goal. She's just signed permanently. So that'll that'll get her even more settled than she already was. She just had a bit of form before the other layoffs and then been in and out, like you mentioned, with not playing due to numerous reasons. And I think everyone has to to commend the the WSL throughout and the professionalism of all the girls because having having trained so hard and that being your full-time job every day all week and then to be pulled the Friday the Saturday of a big game when when your whole life's been dedicated towards that it is tough and it's not easy to to constantly be at it and not knowing about the schedule and when to play yet West Ham and all the girls have come out and put some really high quality level of football on when they have been given the opportunity to go out and, and show their craft so credit to all the girls in the whole league to be honest but I think Oli Hard has had that time now had that time to be with the girls get his thoughts over and fingers crossed that we'll start showing that and um yeah it's a tough draw in the cup but but they're there now and why not why not with a bit of a buffer from relegation go out there and, and maybe upset the apple cart they've already done that in the FA Cup before this West Ham side so they, they there's a few in there who've done it crossed that they can get that one over the line that's it i mean you know they only lost 3-2 at chelsea in the wsl in december sam kerr hatrick got the better of of the girls on that occasion and they put in a decent performance it was by no means that they were absolutely romped so you know there's every every chance as i say wednesday the third uh, time kickoff time still to be decided but then after that it's bristol city at home the return of matt beard sunday the 7th of february and what a huge game that will be bristol of course will be desperate for some points there matt beard will know the ins and outs of uh, of the girls and the the style of play and and their strengths and weaknesses so that will be an intriguing and very important encounter indeed but fingers crossed uh, the girls can make a fist of it on sunday against manchester city um we'll get behind them and then of course the cup game the following Wednesday, but we'll have a guest on next week to do a bit more uh, thorough review on those and just uh, fingers crossed the old league campaign can, can carry on and get up and running again for the rest of the season. And we'll see the girls push on up the WSL table. That is basically it from us tonight, but stay with us just for some final thoughts from me and the lads, a very, very brief update 
on our Fantasy Premier League teams as we're midway through a game week at the moment. And uh, we'll see if we can squeeze another cliche out of James Jones. So that is it for another week here on the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. What a week it has been for West Ham. What a time it is to support the club at the moment. Really positive and it is nice to see us winning games and all the players putting a load of effort in. And I think what all this has done recently... Uh, is by them a, a lot of good faith among the fans as well. If we have a couple of, of sort of iffy results coming up over the next few weeks, as long as the performances are still there and uh, they're all showing that they want it as much as we do, then uh, then that's all, all fans will ask for. And um, yeah, I think that goodwill will see them through for a while, but certainly in good shape for the rest of the season. But I'm just begging that we buy a striker before the window shut, but it does not look like it at present. But like I say, I said I'd let James Jones moan in February if we hadn't bought anyone. Uh, it looks like he's proved to be right as we stand, but uh, we'll give it another week before we lay into the powers that be at the football club for leaving uh, David Moyes with a threadbare attacking lineup going in to a, uh, a Champions League running, maybe. Who knows? But lads, uh, fantasy football quickly. We're in the middle of a game week at the moment. We've had that the past couple of weeks. Uh, I end up doing pretty well on the double game week last week. So uh, as it stands, I've got 34 points for this week. Jonesy, what are you sitting on at the moment? So this is Tuesday night. Yeah, I'm on 18 at the moment. Uh, Foden's gone. Getting rid of him next week. Doing waiting. Yeah, I bought him in this week Rubbish. for that. Yeah, no good. Uh, so, and in the league, Jonesy, you are bottom of the league now. Uh, 1,045 points you've got amongst the three of us. Tom Edwards is on 1,059 and I am 100 points ahead of that, Tom, on 1,159. What are you sitting on this week at the moment, Edwards? Uh, with three players down, I'm on 19 points. Stone to the clean sheet and like Jonesy just said well all of us have Foden he's doing my head in as well so he, he'll be out but yeah the other two have done all right for me James will take uh, some solace from the fact that uh, despite the fact that I won last week on the double game week I used my triple captain chip and only got one more point than him Tom you also used yours got 103 points last week on the double I got 115 Jonesy got 114 without the triple so James has still got that in his locker to claw some points back but it's, uh, it's certainly interesting stuff at the moment just a brief update on the We Are West Ham podcast league Rudy Eagling at the top is uh, his lead insurmountable it seems at the moment he's on 1,265. Jeremy Pike in second and Tom Connolly in third. I think I'm sitting 30th at the moment out of all of you listeners at home who are getting involved. And I haven't got enough time or energy in my thumb to scroll down far enough to see where James and Tom are sitting at the moment. But uh, lads, it's been a great week. Jonesy, some uh, final thoughts from you on what has been a brilliant week filled with goals for West Ham and a brilliant podcast filled with cliches from you oh really enjoyable uh more of that uh and i'll be i'll be a happy man um it's just uh, as you've said on many occasions a great time to 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 be a west Ham fan at the moment uh it's not the first time we've ever been fourth but i would say this is probably the first time we've been fourth and actually felt like we can sustain 
some kind of bid for it. Um, Even without another striker? Maybe I mean, 15, 16. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, Yarmolenko's you know, shown signs. I know that was only Doncaster, but he showed signs that he could potentially do a job in that position if Antonio needs a rest or gets injured or whatever. Um, and, you know, you know, if Jesse Lingard comes in, that gives us a little bit of room for you know, chopping and changing in attacks. So, um I think this is, uh, I don't want to put, you know, jinx it or anything, but this feels like it could be a bit of a, uh, a bit of a challenge from West Ham this year and, and long might it continue because um just loving every minute of it at the moment. Absolutely. Tom, where would you be happy to come <clears throat> this season now the, the, with things the way it is? I know people all, you know, get, get caught up in it as we've done this week and rightfully so enjoy it while we can, but where would you be happy to finish? Happy is it as in January come opening season and be content would be anything eight or above, and that's only because of what we've done from from this season, from the start of the season. Before it, anything we've got from this point is almost a blessing. Of course, now we're all caught up in it and we go back, but look at the position Moises in, the money spent in the summer, and all the anarchy and everything going on at the club in the Dean Garner and Noble speaking out. So even being in this position is pretty unbelievable from the bloke. So I think anything for me is a bonus as long as it's top half. But happy and come away from the season content, just being in the hunt for Europe until the last game, having ma- having games which matter in the Premier League for 35 to 38 games a season, I'll come away with that and I'll be a very happy man. And like Jonesy said, I feel like we've got enough weapons, we've got enough in there, we've got players who we've bought, who stay fit, have a good record and are willing to play for the, play for the shirt and go out there. And, and we've got strength and depth now and Lingard would only add to that. Uh, to go out there and actually sustain a bit of a push. And obviously a part of it depends on other teams in the league and Arsenal and teams like that look like they're getting form. But we're not worse than anyone, that's for sure. And there's no reason we can't sustain that. Our best 11 can go toe-to-toe with anyone in this league. And I wholeheartedly believe if they stay fit, we'll be right amongst it for the majority of this season. Absolutely. Fingers crossed, Matt. I'm so desperate for us to sign a forward this month. Just give us that bit of surety if and when Antonio inevitably does get injured again. But he's certainly looking at promising for West Ham. Four wins on the spin in the Premier League, plus a win in the FA Cup over Doncaster as well. Sees us travel to Old Trafford in the fifth round to face Manchester United. That is it for tonight's show. Thank you, everyone who has listened. Thanks, everyone, as well. I've had a few nice messages recently, emails, uh, some of the reviews which we've read out. Uh, just a, a, a bit of an increase in our engagement on social media and just people dropping us a line uh, and saying some nice things at wearewestampod at gmail.com. Feel free to do that. It's nice to hear from you all. I hope you're all doing okay and getting through the best you can wherever you are in the world at the moment. Do follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham on Instagram as well. And uh, yeah, the YouTube starting to pick up a little bit now. So if you want to watch the whole of our podcast back on YouTube, you can or some just a little cup. Um, exclusive interviews that we've done for all the former West Ham guests. Uh, you can also do that on the channel now and more of those will be added in the coming days and weeks. So scroll down to the podcast description for our YouTube channel link if you want to watch us as well. And do give us a review. Lots of you have already, but keep those coming in. Five stars on whatever platform you listen to would be wonderful. But that is it for this week. West Ham played like Don's 
against Doncaster. They put in a showing fit for Kings at the Palace. We're fourth. We're in the Champions League positions and we're still in the FA Cup. It's a great time to be a hammer. It's a great time to be listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep the faith. It's easy to at the moment. Up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Delighted to say that joining us is Nicola Caton Isla's mum. Many of you will, of course, know, listen to the podcast week in, week out this season that we've been trying to raise some money and have successfully done that through our charity bets with Betway. I'm pleased to say Chad Yeomans is in the process of forwarding £1,200 that we've raised so far for Isla through Tom Edwards, who's been playing this season. Uh, He's forwarded that money or in the process of getting that money over at the moment but I wanted to get Nicola on today because there's been a bit of a development in Isla's situation uh, to sort of tell you her story and uh, let everyone know what's going on and how that money uh, that we've raised and that everyone else West Ham fans and football fans up and down the country are raising uh, the good that that money does and where it goes. Nicola thanks very much for joining us first of all uh, great to great to have you with us obviously the sad circumstances that you're that you're joining with us but you're still uh, there's still some positivity of course, on your side of things. So first of all, I know Isla was starting a treatment of uh, chemo today. So how's she getting on? So she's not actually quite started yet. Um, it's Monday, so things are slow and COVID's uh, slowing it down even more. So she's on fluids because the fluids have to run for nearly five hours to wash it through. This, uh, she's on two different chemos actually, but one of them really affects their kidneys. So they have to make sure that they flush it through as quickly as possible. It can make your kidneys and your um, bladder bleed. So, um, oh, nice. yeah. No, um, yes, yeah, and she's doing a higher dose of this. So, um, we're expecting probably that it's going to affect her blood counts and she'll lose her hair. And she could be pretty unwell with it, actually. Yeah. Been yeah. So, it'll be a um, real, real shame, but we're hoping it does good in the long run you know yeah of course of course so just for anyone listening at home who might not know about Isla's situation they hear us talking about it every week and we're sort of trying to raise awareness and and some cash along the way as well but for anyone who doesn't know Isla's got a condition called neuroblastoma so what can you explain to people listening what is the condition Isla's got so it's a rare childhood cancer it only affects children um it's actually the biggest childhood killer in cancer as well um, it, they say it's rare, it's about 200 people a year in the UK are diagnosed. Isla actually was diagnosed in March 2017 um, with stage four. She was just two, which meant that she had a tumour of 22 centimetres in her abdominal area and um, it spread to all her bones. So 98% of her skeleton was covered also. So she's been fighting quite a long time. Um, she did really well. We got her in remission and then... Um, Unfortunately, she relapsed and she ended up with a brain tumour. It was the same cancer, but it spread to her brain. We got her back in um, remission and then she it spread again. And um, this time she has several spots in her bones. And in 2018, in July, they told me to take her home. She had three months to live. So I didn't. I fought and I spoke to doctors all over the world. And I was told there was treatment still available and we raised nearly £600,000 and we took her to Barcelona and we managed to get her back in remission for two years. 
Um, so she's continuously full. Um, there isn't a cure for um, relapsed neuroblastoma, so we have to do trials all the time. Oh, sorry, that's a that. Um, There's a special guest on the podcast in the background. <laughs> so just touching her line one moment. That's all right. <laughs> there you go. Sorry about that. That's all right. Excellent. <laughs> it hammers the message home even more, doesn't it? Live performances. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we took her abroad. We managed to get her in remission, and we were just going to go to New York actually for a, a thing, which is a vaccine to prevent it. To, um, it's a trial actually, so we don't know if it actually works, but it's supposed to prevent the neuroblastoma coming back. Just before we were due to go, she relapsed again in Spain, and obviously we've been fighting since. But this was the most recent one, Nikki, was it? It was. We took her back to the UK and we were offered a treatment here on a trial called minivan that was in Southampton we started that and she was doing brilliant and then you know um, Christmas Eve sorry they said it had actually it had got worse it progressed so it had actually worked really well at first and she was down to one spot and then um and then we found out two weeks ago that actually it isn't in the bone now it's actually soft tissue she's got two tumors behind her knee and one in her groin so last week she had a biopsy to see if we could find out the genetics of this cancer because it's really complicated cancer. It's not like breast cancer or any of the other ones. It's just, it's got its own DNA and it, it's, it's really sneaky and clever. And um, yeah, so in the meantime, we're going to start chemotherapy, which will be high dose. As I said, she'll be very unwell. She'll lose her hair and basically try to buy some time to find another trial. But that's where the money raising comes back into it, because obviously the UK doesn't trial children's treatments very often. Right. Because it's rare, there's not much money to be earned from it. So there's not much um, progress. So the same chemos that we used in the 50s is what Isla will be using today. So, you know, things have to change. It's mustard You're talking gas. Like mustard, yeah, yeah. Mustard gas. Like mustard 70 gas. years ago that treatment was like came into being basically. Am I right in thinking that? That's why the hair falls out kills itself. So yeah, basically um, that's what she'll be using today. So the reason we need to start raising money again is due to the fact that there probably isn't going to be much they're going to offer every time in, you read that. In the UK, oh, yeah. Yeah. So we, there won't be anything the NHS can probably do for us. Hmm. Hopefully that isn't the case and they do start to trial, but, you know, we have to be prepared that we're probably going to have to go to Barcelona or New York. Yeah. So we've had to start fundraising. Um, on Isla's Just Giving page, it says that we've got 500 and something thousand. But yeah, that's five, actually, 563, yeah. That's not correct. We've got 162,000. on the That's Just left. Giving, that's money you, left, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It only shows you what you've raised in total. It doesn't take off what's been spent. Yeah. So unfortunately, we've spent the rest of that money on treatment in Barcelona. So, um, yeah, I don't want people to think, oh, God, why are they raising money when they've got that kind of money? Because we really don't. And £162,000 is not even going to get us into America. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. we're putting our in the door because we've already got a relationship. But the treatment is extremely expensive. You know, even though the trial so still has to be paid for abroad. So just to give uh, people an idea, Nikki, to break it down, you said there in total, since you've been on this fight since March 2017, as you mentioned, yep. you've raised £563,000, you know, through yep. 
for people all over all over the country and all over the world and you've spent um the money that which has left you with so around four hundred thousand pounds yeah. that has been spent on eyelash treatment already which leaves you with 160 like you said there are people at home who might think and i'll be perfectly honest i thought that first when we spoke the other day and you said 160 yeah. i did exactly the same i thought oh that's not that's not too bad then and then we chatted on the phone, didn't we? And you explained where this money goes and the sort of figures you're talking about for the treatment that Isla might need. So just give people at home who might have had the same thoughts as me about that figure, um, just give them an idea of, of what sort of uh, costs you're going to be facing on the, and the treatment Isla might need on these next steps that you've got in front of you. So um, when we went last time, obviously, if you have chemotherapy, I think chemotherapy, it depends which one you have, but it can be extremely expensive. So each hit of chemo could be like something like 20 grand. So if you do six months worth of chemo, it all adds up. And, and how regularly would you have chemo, for example? Once a month, three times, five days and once a month. That's only one chemo. So obviously, that, as I said, depending on what chemos they are, because um, some chemo has to be made exactly as you come in. So there is, it's more work. Um, other chemos last longer. Sorry, I just get involved. Yes, one moment. Immunotherapy is quite quite expensive. So, six months of immunotherapy is about one hundred and sixty thousand pounds. That's on right. its own. That's with plaster, medication, because everything has to be paid for when you're private. But radiation is extremely expensive. So, if I was to do, say, two fourteen days of radiation, you're looking at. Oh, 60 to 80 grand. Yeah, yeah, sure. General anesthetic every day. So everything goes up in price. Every time I has to be scanned, and that's MRI, MIBG, and bone marrow, you're probably looking at another £20,000. That has to be done every eight weeks. Mm. If she goes in an ambulance, you're looking at €600. Euros. An overnight stay in Barcelona is £1,100 to stay that's for me to stay in the hospital with Isla I don't even get <laughs> anything with that you yeah. don't get fed or anything like that so she ended up in um ICU and I think that cost us about 20 grand 20,000 so, pound how long was that for ICU just, that's three days three days yeah I mean that's what six and a half thousand pound a day that just drums yeah. home to people doesn't it um so what what so the things that um you know you're when we were chatting the other day uh off of the podcast you were explaining to me the options that um that you know that for you all of this has always been about you just want to fight as hard as you can to fundraise as hard as you can for for isla and give her the best opportunities at the best treatments or trials that are available so your your what are your next uh, potential steps now um which is obviously why you're why you're calling on people to start fundraising again so we've spoken to actually to the Memorial Sloan Hospital in New York, in Manhattan. It's one of the biggest cancer hospitals in the world, actually. We spoke to the doctors on Friday night there. We've also spoke to our doctor in Barcelona. And basically they've said for eight weeks, for the two cycles of chemo, we need to stay here to hold it at bay. So that's the NHS then, you're doing that in England? Yep, yep. yep, yep. Um, just an average. We was offered this two years ago and refused it and went abroad. So, But we can't get abroad at the moment. So yeah, yeah, sure. Otherwise we we would never have even considered to do this because there's only 50% chance that it will do any good. It could make it work. You know, it's hard. Um, neuroblastoma, most cats have become immune to, to chemotherapy. Mm. So, um, yeah, what, what we want to do at the moment is 
I think we're going to go to Barcelona in eight weeks. Hopefully everything will be okay COVID-wise and being able to enter the country. And then we're going to do the same chemotherapy, but with antibody treatment, which is private. If that, there's also another treatment in, um, in America that we're considering. It's a trial, a brand new trial. And that's got to be obviously fundraised. And that's, if we went to America, you got to double the prices that I've told you. Because yeah. Manhattan is one of the most expensive places in the world. Barcelona is really expensive, but Manhattan is obviously, and it's a lot further away. Um, so obviously, so, so, so those, those would be initial steps, Nikki, wouldn't they? Your, your next step, either New York or Spain. We don't know whether we're going to do more radiation, whether they'll put her back to have high-dose chemo. If they do that, then she'd have to have a stem cell pl- transplant, which means we'd have to unfreeze her, her stem cells in London, bring them to abroad, which is all going to cost money because it's got to be put on a medical plane. And blah, you know. So even so, just for your next steps, what are you looking at money-wise? We are not even going to try to put an amount on this we've done this in the past and it seems to cause a lot of problems um i've said this before and i'm going to say it again and this is what i truly think i do not want to lose my child over money if there is a treatment and i can't raise the amount of money that i need that is not going to happen you know and i've seen it many many times you know because people can't raise the money fast enough a child passes away you know bradley larry's one of the one of the ones we could talk about. I know another little boy, Mitchell, same thing happened to his parents. They just couldn't do it quick enough. So we don't want to get to the point. And I'll be totally honest with you. When we returned here in July, half the reason we came back was because we couldn't fundraise anymore. Because of COVID, mm-hmm. we couldn't keep the money. We needed about £20,000 a month to come in just to keep rolling. And yeah. we couldn't do it. It wasn't fair to keep putting the pressure on the people that have helped us from the beginning, that keep on helping us when people are losing their jobs. And, and that's why when we come back in July, we haven't fundraised since. We didn't mm. need it. It wasn't an emergency. So we didn't think it was fair to ask. So we stopped fundraising. You know, there's been little bits and pieces going on. Mainly it's my stuff that we've sold that has been mm. um, donated by kind people. But no fundraising, really. Yeah. And that's so- why I'm now for everyone to help us again because I don't want to lose either down to not being able to raise enough money and it is a big big chance that that's going to happen you know and I know that people haven't got the money that they had because people are losing jobs but you know there's a share button and if you share it makes a huge difference because then we can reach people that we never would have reached and you know we are extremely grateful just to press that button without anyone donating so like we know what it's like at the moment so we are extremely grateful for everyone to help us and to carry on helping us because four years is a long time to keep fighting yeah but just so with the uh so you know obviously i think everyone at home if they don't know the story already just quickly then nikki where can people go to if they want to donate listening to this um and they think yeah that's uh that's something that that i want to get behind obviously like you said there if, if anyone listening can share uh, the links to Isla's, it's at Isla's Fight on Twitter or the Just Giving page yeah. on Facebook, uh, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, whatever, whatever it is, share those. But where where can they go to actually donate some some money? So Isla obviously has a Twitter and she has a Facebook and you can go on there, but she's got Just Giving page on the Bradley Lowry Foundation. You have to go on to Isla's one for the money to go to Isla because otherwise obviously there's lots of children. But yeah, she has that page that you were talking about earlier with the 500 and that is the page to donate to. Your name comes up so we can see everybody that donates. 
and um yeah if you if you can donate and even there's lots of raffles we're not asking for you to just give us money you know we are giving things back as well we've got loads of great things that were being auctioned and not just auctioned because we don't think sometimes that's fair because people can't always afford big amounts so we've been doing the football cards as well so five or a square which i think gives everyone a chance to win and it's fairer so um yeah so if you take a look at isla's twitter everything's usually shared on there and that's the most up to date i run the facebook so it's not so up to date as well. <laughs> So, yeah no that's uh um, yeah i mean there's lots of people um west ham fans doing some really good work i know baz cox does some does some outstanding stuff works tirelessly for with you guys as well so um yeah obviously if, if you can't go to our twitter as well at we are underscore west ham we've shared links in the past and and recently where where you can go and and chip into that so if anyone's listening home, please do but just uh nikki before i let you go just just to uh sort of ram it home if you like the the actual figures you're talking about just to get yourself off the ground for the next step you want to do in new york and or spain give people just a ballpark for the first what what you'd be doing for the first step just so, so uh, people understand i think we need to raise at least over five hundred thousand at the moment so it's a big amount. I don't like to put it because I think it's quite daunting for people. And they think, well, we're never going to be able to do that. But we've done it before. We can do it again. And, you know, we haven't been that lucky to get corporate businesses and, and all those other things. It's just been everyday people like us and just like you. So with that, people like you and, and, and all the West Ham fans, and just, not just West Ham fans, all the football fans, you know, we've had lots of people get involved, but mainly West Ham. Um, you know, and we're all working class people. So, you know, it has been tiresome to do, but people have backed us all the way. You know, people fall in love with Isla and she is super. She's my little superhero, you know. So I think um, we are so grateful because without everyone, we wouldn't be in there. You know, two years ago, we wouldn't have, we would have lost her. So we don't want that to happen. And that's why we have to fight on, you know. And also the love and support is just amazing, you know. As somebody sent her a load of toys, um, They'd raise money and they wanted it to go for toys instead of it. and she'd be using them every day this week and that's what she was just asking me for can i have another surprise yeah. <laughs> they're occupied rather than just laying in bed feeling depressed you know? absolutely yeah well, i would imagine so, yeah so is there and nikki it's been absolutely great having you with us today and i don't want you to be overshadowed but is there any chance we can say hello to isla quickly absolutely excellent I'm stuff and thank you all so, so much, because like I said, without you, we wouldn't have been able to do this. And thank That's you. Absolutely not a problem. We're definitely doing the easy bit. Hello, hi. Isla. Say hi. How are you? She's great. Wait. I think she's ready for naps. <laughs> ready for sleep. Well, it's great to speak to you, Isla, even if only Say briefly. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> soon. Nikki, well, thanks so much for joining us. I say, and uh, it just rams home to people. We're obviously sort of doing uh doing the stuff with betway but it's, it really is a drop in the ocean so we're, we're calling on everyone else to um to sort of get behind what is a worthy cause and we we send all our love and, and best wishes to you from from us lot on the pod and uh and the guys who do who, the thousands of people who listen to us every week as well so uh, we hope to have you on in again do keep us updated with how you're getting on and uh Fingers Thank crossed you. we can uh, pull together and, and, like you say, give you a, a fighting chance to, to do the next uh, next step, whatever that might be for you. Thank Brilliant. you.
Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Podcast Network.